Hi, welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And we've got another banger for you. But first, I have a peer review. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> We're starting off fresh. All right. So last week, I said that Dante Gabriel Rossetti started the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood with Christina Rossetti's ex-fiance. This is not strictly true. He was not her ex-fiance at the time. They broke off the engagement two years after they started the Brotherhood. But I stand by everything else bad that I said about him. I mean, I feel like the judgment for that was more like he wasn't standing by his sister. So I, like, that's still something that re- resonates, I think, at this point. Yeah, there's many other examples, which we can go into when we do our Christina Rossetti episode, part two. Part two. I mean, a lot of things were bad with the Pre-Raphaelites in general, but that apparently was not one of them. Speaking of the Pre-Raphaelites, I think this would be a good segue for us, Chantel. Thank you. So, last week we talked about the Pre-Raphaelites, more specifically Christina Rossetti, who should have been a member, but, you know, (laughs) brotherhood, whatever, sexism. Um, And this week we're going to be adjacently talking about (laughs) one of their paintings. So, Ophelia was painted by one of their Pre-Raphaelites, you know, the Ophelia who's in the pond after her suicide. Ophelia is painted by the Pre-Raphaelite, and this week we're going to be tackling Hamlet. Woo! Woo. So that's fun. And I think we'll, uh, we're segueing. You know, there's a, there's a linear pattern to what we're doing here, I think, right? Yeah, we plan out our episodes really well, very far in advance. We have such a set plan. We didn't decide this yesterday. <laughs> Absolutely not. Why would we do that? <laughs> So, quick rundown of Hamlet. I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet because the play is not. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Starting strong. Starting strong. It's about this young adult guy named Hamlet, whose dad, the king of Denmark, was killed by his uncle Claudius, who married his mom, Gertrude. Hamlet's mom, Gertrude. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) Um, So, Hamlet knows that Claudius killed Hamlet's father, the king, because Hamlet can see ghosts, specifically his dad's ghost. There are other people who can, you know, verify his claim, one of which being his friend Horatio. Bunch of stuff ensues. Hamlet's like, I need to get revenge on Claudius. So, uh, Hamlet tries to, like, you know, pull the wool off of people's eyes and let them know that Claudius killed his dad, the king. So, he does this play within a play We're going to try to stay away from it because you guys know how I feel about meta anything. (laughs) It's called The Mousetrap. And essentially, it demonstrates like what the events of Claudius killing the king would have looked like, except it's kind of like covertly done. Like it's not, it's supposed to trap him into like, you know, reacting to murder on stage, but it doesn't work and it kind of backfires and nobody actually knows what happened. So more drama ensues. Uh, Hamlet's meet to his mom. Hamlet stabs his girlfriend, Ophelia's dad, through the arras. He stabs Polonius. And then Hamlet has a descent into madness because he can't cope with his dad's death and he sees ghosts. And then Likewise for Ophelia. Likewise for Ophelia. But we're going to talk about how Ophelia doesn't need the bad rap that she gets. So he has a fight in the end with Laertes. Polonius's son. And everybody dies. Can we just talk about the ghost for a second? Sorry. Yeah, of course. We can talk about the ghost. Tell me more about the ghost. Okay. So I love that Shakespeare has so many ghosts in his plays. Because it implies to me that Shakespeare believes in ghosts. I love that, um, first of all. Didn't Shakespeare, like, lose a lot of his kids? Or his wife young? I actually don't know. I think his wife. I think his wife died young. And I think her name was also Anne Hathaway. Yes. 
Her name was also Anne Hathaway. But I think, yeah, like, there was a lot of, like, death around his family, so I'm guessing that has some influence on the ghostliness. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of death in the tragedies, obviously. He's got, like, five different plays with ghosts in them, and this is one of them. And I love how they treat the ghost, because the ghost appears to many people before he appears to Hamlet, and Horatio's, like, keeping watch with the guards, and he's like, ooh, when's this ghost gonna come? And then the ghost comes, and then he tries to talk to the ghost, and then he leaves and the guards are like, ah, now you've offended him. You know, I love that. Yeah, I think like the ghost is like a really interesting character because like on stage, like that's the thing. Like, do you present him like as a corporeal form on stage or not? Right. Like that's kind of interesting. The production I saw totally did both times. Really? The part where he was actually a ghost and the part where he was Hamlet's hallucination. Both of them were corporeal. Interesting. I would have thought they would have made a difference about it. Yeah, no, it was the first one. Everyone could see him. And then the second one, Hamlet was talking to him. But everyone else was like, what the hell, dude? Why are you talking to thin air? Second thing about the ghost yep. is that his his whole thing is that he comes to Hamlet and he's like, help me out, dude. I am doomed to wander the earth at night and be tortured in hell during the day until you solve this crime of my murder. And here's the, here's the dude who did the crime. It's my brother who remarried your mom. Go fix it. And then Hamlet just like doesn't for five acts. Yeah, so I think that's the thing. Like Hamlet builds up the revenge so much in his head kind of thing. Like he wants to get like masterful revenge and he wants everybody to know about it and he just doesn't want to like do the thing. He's like, I need to make this a production. Like (laughs) (laughs) for Hamlet, getting easy revenge isn't good enough. He wants to make a show out of it. If people, other people don't know what happened, it's not good enough for him. He wants Claudius's reputation to go down the drain, which, you know, probably exasperated his issues. I think he also, like, as soon as he finds out, he starts doubting himself. And he's like, but did he do it? I need to prove that he did it. If he blanches, if he so much as blanches at this play, I'll know he did it. I'll know. It's like, dude, you already know. Your dad literally just told you. Just listen to the words coming out of his mouth. <laughs> And then you know. That's how you know. Like, listen to people. And, like, he wasn't even crazy at that point. Like, he was he was a normal dude just coming back after his dad died at that point. And, like, his friends were like, yeah, dude, there's this ghost. Like, I'm telling you, there is a ghost. Yeah. And he was all like, but did he really do it, though? And it's like, buddy, yes. <laughs> yes is the answer to your question. Which I guess is fine, right? I mean, I guess, but that's where the descent into madness comes from, I think, because he keeps waffling. I know he's dealing with his father's death and everyone presents grief in different ways, but he spends five acts doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's most of the play. Like, okay, if it's not obvious already, we don't really like Hamlet the play or (laughs) Hamlet the person um, because it is just like five acts of nothing. Like, it only really picks up when, like, murderers happen. Yeah, it's like Shakespeare's Seinfeld. Yep. So, yeah, The Descent into Madness. Sorry, go ahead. So, I wrote, apparently, this entire, I believe it's a scene reflection that I had to do about the whole part with Polonius. Oh, yeah. So, if that wasn't clear enough in, like, our brief summary, Polonius is, like, a friend of Claudius and kind of, like, essentially, I I believe he helped him with the murder. Am I wrong in that? Okay, so here's what Polonius's deal is. Right. Polonius is, like... If you watch Downton Abbey, Mm. Polonius is like the Mr. Carson of the Denmark castle. Right. He's like the head of the household. He's he's one of the servants, but he's like the head servant. How the heck would a prince marry 
a butler's daughter. I, I don't think he was going to. Okay. Because they were, like, dating. Yeah. They were betrothed. He had declared that he loved her. He had shown her affections. And Polonius was like, I don't think this is a good idea. This is this seems like it's not going to happen. Because, okay, here's the thing with Polonius. <laughs> if we're talking about Polonius. We're talking about Polonius. <laughs> Polonius starts out giving pretty good advice. He gives really good advice to his son, Laertes, um, when he's going off to France and he's like, to thine own self be true, neither a borrower nor a lender be. It's like a bunch of cliches, but it's like really good fatherly advice. It's like, oh, this dude, this dude is a good dude. He knows his shit, you know? He's like the Yoda of Hamlet. Is Star Wars just Hamlet? Ugh, I have to noodle on it. No, I can't, no. I think it was meant to be sort of like Hamlet. Okay, spoiler alert for a movie that came out... In the 80s? Like 40 years ago and also a play that came out... 400 years ago. I think the original Star Wars movie where Darth Vader killed Luke's dad and then Luke was like getting his revenge mm -hmm. is more Hamlet-y than what it turned out to be where George Lucas came in and he like rewrote everything and he was like, oh no, he actually is Luke's dad. Like that's not what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be that he killed Luke's dad and that was actually legit. Right. And then they rewrote the entire canon. Well, it was supposed to be a one-off movie and then they made like nine movie outs of it. Yeah. So there's also that. But it like, it makes sense. Like, you know, Hamlet's like this, it's held up on this pedestal, right? And I don't think it should be because it's not all that great. <laughs> Very quotable. <laughs> Very quotable. Much like Polonius. Um, mostly only Polonius. But yeah, I think... I'm going to make a firm stance here, a hot take, that Star Wars, um, basically Hamlet. And in that case, the Lion King is basically Hamlet. Uh, the Lion King is fully Hamlet. Sorry, the Lion King is also Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he... Polonius. So he's the Yoda. Yes. And then he goes to Ophelia. Yep. And then he's like, Hamlet, like, he's not a good dude, like, I wouldn't put your eggs in that basket, you know? Like, maybe don't go out with this absolutely bonkers guy who is super flighty all the time. And, like, he doesn't say it in a nice way, but he's still giving good advice. And then he just gets so much worse after those two things. He's, like, sending a spy to go spy on Laertes and, like, ruin his reputation. He's, like, undermining Ophelia's relationship with Hamlet. He's, like, constantly undermining his kids after these two pieces of good advice. It's like, dude, I had more faith in you as the Yoda of Hamlet. Yeah. But then he gets murdered. So. so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so one of the things um, about the madness, and we're going to get to Polonius and all that as we get along, is I don't think the madness was necessary. So you know how the ghost was real and then it was an illusion? Oh, yes. I posit that the madness was fake and then it became real. Oh, like he was playing the part of a crazy person and then he lost his mind doing that? Yes. And I say crazy as in like... That's the role he was playing, not that people can actually be crazy, but yeah. that's that's like a role people see. Yeah. And he he was just like going around yelling people, going hot and cold on people, repeating himself, repeating himself, being super goofy and then going into this weird like nihilistic monologue, mistaking that people are fishmongers when they're not, you know, Polonius. His arrogance also I think is a good one. Like he manipulates his position within the relationships that he's in. Oh yeah. And I think that's like really smart of him, like especially when we look at the mousetrap, like he's trying to get the king to react, like Cla Claudius to react, right? And Claudius reacts by just fucking leaving. Yeah, yeah, he succeeded. 
on that one. And, like, Ophelia's kind of, like, telling him, like, shut up and just, like, you know, watch the goddamn play. And he's like, no. And he just keeps talking over the play. And Ophelia's like, please fucking stop. <laughs> and, like, you know, I do that in movies all the time. So, like, let's not. Yeah. It's not, like, a, a mad thing to do. But, like, he's not doing it in, like, oh, look at this scene. It's so cool. He's doing it and he's, like, watching Claudius. And he's like, but is he going to get up? Or is he not going to get up? Is he going to be red? Is he going to be white? And it's, like, funny. He's, like, explaining the scenes as they're happening. Because he's kind of the director. Like, he told them to put on that play specifically. Yeah, well, Ophelia calls him a chorus, which is, like, an outside entity that explains the play. Yeah, it's not, like, me making fun of the original Disney Channel movies. It's, like, if I directed a movie... And then I went to the screening of my own movie and was like, watch it, the symbolism of this part here. Why aren't you laughing at my jokes? Laugh at my jokes. <laughs> so I think like, you know, when we talk about Hamlet's Descent to Madness, we have to realize that it was a fabrication at one point. Yeah, no, you're you're totally on the money there. And like, he might be a little bonkers, but like, he was also really smart. Like, he was trying to get all his evidence. Like, he could have just like, you know, dabbed Claudius through an arras, but he did not. He should have. He should have. But instead he was like, I need to proof because if I just kill Claudius, my mom might not forgive me. He takes so long, though. Like, he's so useless. He is the most useless character. He is. If a ghost came to me of someone I loved and was like, hey, I'm doomed to burn in hell until you solve my murder, I wouldn't be like, oh, man, I should do something about this right now. Let me go think about it for five acts and then not do anything. But, like, he never does make a decision. Like, no. even when Horatio is like, hey, come to the guard tower or whatever and come see your father's ghost tonight, he could give them a time, but he doesn't even give them a time. He gives them an hour window when he might come. It's like... You're not a grocery delivery service, okay, Hamlet? Just pick 11 o'clock. You don't need to pick between 11 and 12 o'clock. Like, I'll be there when the sun rises in the west. (laughs) I'm not gonna be there. Like, they have clock towers. And also, just like, what are you doing with your life, Hamlet? You're just holding a skull up, you know? angry. I should love that scene. We can talk about that later, but I do do love that scene so much. So Hamlet, you know, does the mousetrap, blah, blah, blah. He's not really mad yet. And then he kills Polonius. And I think that's when he snaps. Yeah. So how this comes about is that he's in his mother's chamber talking to her and accusing her of being unfaithful to his father because she remarried too quickly and she remarried her brother-in-law. Hamlet, of course, knows that this guy killed his dad to become the king, but she doesn't know this. What she knows is that her son is really obsessed with her bedroom life, and he has mentioned it thrice at this point, (laughs) um, which I would be really concerned about if I were her. Yeah. So he's in his mother's room, and he's having a conversation with her, and then he hears a man behind the curtain, and he's like, oh, that must be Claudius. So he stabs him through the curtain, not knowing who it is. It's probably Claudius, but maybe not. And it isn't. It's Polonius. It's not, it's not a curtain. It's in a Ross. Oh, is that is that what you were saying? Yes. Okay. When you were saying he stabs Polonius through the Ross, I definitely <laughs> thought you were talking about a body part. No. In the official um, scene direction, he stabs Polonius through the Ross. I think you can guess which body part I thought that was. It's A-R-R-A-S. It might be Ares. <gasps> Oh, it's literally in this essay of mine. But I agree. So this part, after he stabs him, right? I think that's when, like, having actual blood on his hands is when he actually loses it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then because, like, it's a play and so the Globe Theater has, has a thrust stage, you know? Yep. 
Polonius's body is just there the entire time for the rest of the scene because you can't just like scoot a body off the floor very well. Imagine if he just like casually crawled off scene though, like <laughs> slid himself off stage. Scooch. Um, I'm making a f- comedy and this is not a comedy. So you say. <laughs> Polonius was the comic relief. Until he got relieved of it. Oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah, so like Hamlet in this scene like constantly undermines his mom, right? He calls her basically a whore, etc, etc. We do not condone the use of that word, but no, yes. No, but... That's essentially what's going on. He does, yeah. No, that's what he does. He incessantly harasses his mother with insults about her blood being tame and thus not having a sexual appetite and about her being in a greasy bed with a villain, Claudius. The wording of that? Oh, that's your parentals. Yep. So, like, they have these, like, insults going on, but then you also have Polonius, who's just there, and I think... Because the ghost appears there, right? At the same time? This is the hallucination of the ghost. Right. Which makes... Um, Hamlet's mom even more freaky. Like, she gets freaked out because Hamlet's all like, hey, there's a ghost here, and he's talking with the ghost, and she's just like, there's no ghost here. Also, there's a dead body. Right? That's the scene. So wait, so he kills Polonius, and then he hallucinates his dad's ghost? I think. So that's really a snapping point, because he immediately starts hallucinating. Yeah, I think the fact that, like, he didn't get his revenge and just has no casualties really screws him up, which would make sense. Yeah. So he's quite unhinged, and his act of playing mad slowly gets out of hand and consumes him. Um, The loss of his father and his mother's marriage not only makes him melancholic, but in particular makes Hamlet see his father's ghost. Like, you know, as we mentioned in previous scenes when Hamlet encountered the ghosts, he was with friends who also saw him. And, you know, maybe they were having, like, a weird, you know, psychedelic moment where they all hallucinated the same thing. Whatever. Possible. Uh, highly unlikely. Yes, I would say. Hamlet is the only one, though, who has, like, really big conversations with the ghosts. And, like... Gertrude declares Hamlet to be mad. <laughs> I wrote here, this scene marks the beginning of Hamlet's downfall. Also, I wrote something that is apparently unclear, and I thought we could maybe try and clear it up. It was necessary to add the ghost in this scene in order to absolve Hamlet of Polonius's martyr. I think, here, what I was trying to say in this essay, is that the ghost in the scene, you know, the hallucination, served as that tipping point, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. So we can say... Oh, it's not Hamlet's fault. He's just consumed by this quest. Yeah. And he's gone mad with vengeance. Yeah, like, I feel like it's almost trying to, like, give the audience some sense of, like, oh, don't be too hard on Hamlet kind of thing. He's trying his best. Even though we can be hard on Hamlet for many things. Oh, yeah, we hate Hamlet. It's fine. (laughs) I said here he had emotional range. How he was simultaneously melancholic and apathetic and careless. So I think, yeah, we get to the point where Polonius is dead and Hamlet sees hallucinations and Gertrude thinks that Hamlet is mad and then the audience thinks that Hamlet is mad and then we get to Ophelia. Poor, poor Ophelia. Yeah. Ophelia is the kind of character who you kind of wish just wasn't written in this, sto- in this, you know, at all. You kind of, well, for one, I don't think she's necessary to the story. Ophelia's deal. Ophelia's deal, yeah. <laughs> Amelia Bedelia. Anyway, okay. Ophelia's deal is that she's there as like Hamlet's love interest. So she's the the reason people think he's going mad because they think he's going mad with love. I don't know why they think he's going mad with love when his dad just died and he could much more easily be going mad with grief. I think more people would go mad with grief than love, but okay. Interesting choice. Yep. And then she's the one that he like plays off of when he actually starts going mad. 
And he's like, get thee to a nunnery. And he's like, marriage is a sham, you know? Yeah. Because his mom remarried his uncle. And um, she doesn't deserve it. She doesn't. And then she reacts to her father's death by going mad. Yeah. And she drowns herself. Yeah, so Hamlet says to her to go to a nunnery because he questions, why wouldst thou be a breeder of sinners? He's like, I don't care, but yet I could accuse me of such things. If it were better, my mother had not borne me. He says he's revengeful right here, which is kind of fun. So what should such fellow as I do crawling between earth and heaven? We are errant knaves all. Believe none of us. Why thy ways go to a nunnery. He really reminds me of J. Alfred Proofrock when he's like, I should have been a pair of claws scuttling on the seafloor. He's very depressed. Yeah, so Ophelia, like, gets told to go to a nunnery so that she doesn't ever bore children. And, like, she's she's just trying to be good, you know? She's just trying to live her life, honestly. She just fell in love with the wrong guy who was very rude to her. I think he was actually into Horatio because immediately he's like, Ophelia, you suck. Horatio, I love you forever. I wish you could be part of my heart. <laughs> if I could take my soul out and give it to you, I would. Basically, that's the lines he says. Yeah, but one of the things here is like, Polonius is still alive at this point. So like, you know, Hamlet is pretending to be mad. So why the heck is he just mean? Is he trying to protect her from the eventual downfall that's going to happen because, like, the kingdom's going to be in a war, probably, because he's going to kill Claudius? An interesting point. Or is he just a dick? I think he's just a dick. There's not much more about Ophelia, except that I don't think she was necessary to the play. Like, I think if we take her out, not much else happens, you know? You could replace her with a brick. You could. To replace her with a brick. Like, I know there was a recent adaptation of Hamlet that had Ophelia as the main character, I think. It was so good. Was it? Yes. Okay. Okay. The movie Ophelia has Ophelia as the main character. I'm not going to spoil anything about it, but it gives a lot more agency to Ophelia, and it also makes Hamlet a much less useless character. Good stuff all around, honestly. That's good. Yeah. So I think, like, Ophelia has her place, but her place is not in this play right now. But she has really fun songs. Like, when she goes mad, like, it's sad as she goes mad, but, like, she has, you know, interesting songs um, about, like, death and Christianity and God and that kind of stuff. I think she just makes up the songs also. Is she also yeah. a singer-songwriter? Yes, she is. Um, I think she should have just moved to Nashville and lived her best life instead. She's the Nicki Minaj. <laughs> She's the Nicki Minaj. Or the Taylor Swift. She's the Taylor Swift, yeah. I only said Nicki Minaj because we talked about her last time. Yeah, but we can't do too many segues. <laughs> yeah, so we can talk about the mouse trap if you want. Yeah, I would love to talk about the performance because um, Hamlet is like really creepy to Ophelia at the performance. Like he's really rude to her. And then he's like, let me rest my head in your lap and he makes a whole bunch of innuendos and she's just sitting there like I'm just trying to watch the play man like honestly didn't we just break up and he's just like, yammering beside her putting his head on her being really annoying but yeah the play you like performing and pretending Amy I do have any thoughts about this play it's a play within a play that demonstrates the like before actions kind of that happened in the play. Um, and it's meant to get a reaction out of Claudius, who is trying real hard 
not to react. Like, this is the point where Claudius knows now that Hamlet knows that he killed the king. Yeah. And there's a lot of pretending here. So the way that theater used to work, like, you had these viewing boxes where you would watch people watch the play. So most of people's eyes weren't on the actual play, but more on Claudius. If you were rich, you wanted to be seen seeing the play. Yeah. So Claudius knows this and he knows that he can't react. Or else people will know that the jig is up. So it's like a lot of layering in of like the performance. So like Claudius has to like perform the stoicness where he doesn't react to it. Hamlet is trying to egg him on when he's pretending to be mad at this point. Ophelia is just annoyed, which I mean fair. But like the mouse trap is used as like a trap for Claudius. Yeah, I love that title of it. I I don't even think that's the real title. I think that's just a thing Hamlet says. Because they're like, what's the title of this? Hamlet's like, the mousetrap. Because eh? it's when he's running around being goofy. He's also like, before the play, he goes around to the actors and they're like rehearsing. And he's like trying to coach them in their acting it's like dude you're not an actor and you're not a director and you're not an acting teacher so i don't know why you think you can coach these guys to act when they're literally an acting troupe that you just met but okay and he's like he's giving the worst advice he goes to this one actor he's like don't overact and then the guy's like okay and he takes his advice and he's like no no but don't don't underact now you know He's just, like, <laughs> really bad direction. Yep. So there's this part here that I, I think I want to I wanna bring up. You know, we have the player king, the player queen, whatever. Things happen. Um, and Hamlet asks his mom, he's like, oh, what do you think of, of this play? And she's like, well, the lady doth protest, the pr- lady protest too much, methinks. Um, yes. And Hamlet's, oh, but she'll keep her word. And then the king's like, have you heard the argument? Is there no offense in it. And Hamlet's like, no, no, they do but jest, poison and jest, no offense in the world. So the argument (laughs) that they're referring to here is that the player king is dying. So the the guy who's playing the king in the play, the king's dying. And his wife is like, oh, I would never remarry. I'll only ever love you. To remarry after you would be to kill you again. Yeah. And they're laying it on so thick, like butter. And the queen's all like, oh, well, I've, you know, people remarry. It's okay. There's this like laying on thick of like what was supposed to be happening versus like what the audience actually knows actually happened, like how things went down. So like this like Mm -hmm. rewriting of the narrative that goes on within plays within plays is kind of interesting. It's like pointing out the unreliable narrators. Yeah. Yeah. Pointing out the unreliable sources. Speaking of unreliable narrators. Us. What do we think about Claudius? Because he's got a few asides. And in the asides, he's like, feel bad for me. I killed my brother and now I feel guilty about it. Wah, wah. I think that's also some pretense. I agree. I don't think he feels bad at all. I think he no. feels great. I feel like Claudius would be a, like um, a method actor. Yes. <laughs> So for him, like, he needs to, like, you know, make himself feel real bad when he faces the crowd and, like, his court and whatever. Because he's like, okay, feel sad, have remorse, grieve, and act. (laughs) When in reality, he's just, like, acting, 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 acting. And there's no real substance to, like, his remorse. You know, he may find that he's bitten off more than he can chew with fucking Hamlet. And I mean, that would be fair. But who doesn't? Which person with a new young adult stepson doesn't feel like they've bitten off more they can chew? Fair point. Yeah, I think Claudius is 
like acting remorseful about like he has to have this solemn attitude because he became king like he can't just like say like oh everything is going great you know like no your, your brother died yeah like in his asides to us he's not even acting to other people he's acting to the audience yeah. he's like oh i i killed my brother sad face and now i feel bad sad face yeah it's like oh Dude, we know what you're doing here. In the performance I saw of it, I think the actor who played Claudius was playing him way too earnestly because I was like, I don't believe anything he's saying and I don't think you're um, conveying that nuance. He was being very genuine. I was like, I don't, I don't believe a word of this. No, thank you. But he's also like super creepy in general. Like he's, when he's introducing Gertrude, he's like, this was my sister and now she's my wife. You know, when he's talking to Hamlet about his dad passing away like a month ago, he's like, your grief is unmanly and you should get over it. Right. Like, he's not a good dude. No, no, he's not. Um, yeah. And I think, like, Gertrude's not necessarily a great person either. I'm with you there. Like, I'm not necessarily saying she was in on it. No, I don't think she was either. But I do think that it takes a special brand of person to go marry your dead husband's brother and that person is somebody who doesn't want to lose her like her status in life and not just remarry her late husband's brother like if she had remarried him seven years later like they could have developed some sort of bonds things you know things happen she remarried him the next month (laughs) it's like we have a funeral we're married he was like his body was not cold yeah hamlet's like my my father was breathing two minutes ago and now you're sitting here (laughs) and now you're lying in a greasy bed with the other guy Um, oh god (laughs) (laughs) yeah so glad you brought up those words again (laughs) loved hearing them the first time um so yeah i don't hamlet's not a hero i'll put that out there he's a protagonist and that's about it yeah so the grave digger scene yes he shows up at the grave digger scene i don't think that he knows it's ophelia's grave that's being dug He's just chatting to this grave digger who doesn't know who he is. The grave digger's talking about, oh, you know, Prince Hamlet was sent off to England because Hamlet has lollygagged around so much and done the play and then refused to kill Claudius after the play, even though he knew that Claudius killed his dad because he stormed off. And then he, like, was going to go stab him, but Claudius was praying. And then he was like, oh, I don't want him to go to heaven because he's praying when he dies. So I'll wait again. It's like, oh, cool. You've only waited four acts. Why don't you wait another one? We've got a whole one more act to wrap this thing up. And um, yeah, he lollygags around. Claudius tries to send him to England to be killed. So he's at the grave now before he's sent off to England. And this is my favorite scene in the play. I think it's the funniest scene in the play. Depends on how it's put on. It's not the alas poor Yorick part. It's the part before that where he's talking to the gravedigger and the gravedigger is talking about Hamlet. He's like, oh, Hamlet's being sent off to England. He's like, oh, why? He went mad. On what grounds? In Denmark. I don't know if he's being difficult on purpose or just not understanding his questions, but he's not answering any of them legitimately. And I love him so much. I love the gravedigger. He doesn't have a name, and he's my favorite character in the play. Oh, they're called clowns here, which is interesting. The gravediggers? Yeah. That's fair. Yes. They're hilarious. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, bone stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of bone humor. A lot of bone, lots of skulls, and they sing about love while they dig. 
the graves. They make a joke about how the greatest builders are grave diggers because their houses last until doomsday. Yep. They talk about gallows, so there's literally gallows here. <laughs> okay, I need to reread this scene. Is that okay? Yeah. Here's a skull now, and the skull had lain the earth three and twenty years. Whose was it? A horse son? A mad fellow was it? Who do you think it was? Nah, no, not. Uh, the same skull was York's skull, the king's jester. And then Hamlet's like, oh, I knew this guy. Yeah. Like, I knew him when I was a kid. He would ruffle my hair. He would make jokes. I think the king had him killed because he made him laugh. Like, he made him laugh and then he had him killed the same day. It seems like that's what happened. And if so, the king's also not a great guy. But yeah, that's where we get the... The image of Hamlet holding the skull. Yeah. It's York's skull. Right. So after the gravedigger scene... Can we pause here? Yes. Because I want to add something to the gravedigger scene, which is my favorite part of the yes. gravedigger scene. When Laertes and Hamlet both leap into the grave. Oh, like at Ophelia's funeral? Yeah. It happens immediately after the gravediggering scene. It's like they, they hide and then they see this like Laertes is there and they're like, what's going on? And then they all leap into the grave and I just think that's funny to me (laughs) because they fight a little there and then like the king and the queen are like stop this bullshit like you're not fighting on top of this poor girl who just died yeah and they're fighting over like who loved her more it's like yeah laertes obviously yeah you treated her terribly and you broke up with her and then you told her to go to a nunnery and then you made a bunch of innuendos at a play like you did not love her more then after that hamlet gets sent to England because Claudius wants to send him to England with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern to be killed and then he flips around on them and he's like no they're gonna be killed and he sends them to England with a switcherood letter from fake Claudius that he has forged saying to kill Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and he comes back to Denmark and he's like I'm finally gonna get my revenge on Claudius and then oh no Laertes is back and Laertes is like you killed my father and you caused my sister's death I challenge you to a duel But here's the thing. Laertes is not a man of honor and he has poisoned his sword. So the only thing he needs to do is like cut Hamlet slightly and then he'll die. A scratch. Twill take but a scratch. And then Claudius, since he is also not a man of honor, he's like, if Hamlet gets the first or second strike, he can drink from this cup and the cup is poisoned. Some might say having this much poison in an environment of high stress is a bad thing. Some would say it's almost like um, everyone in this room could die. One bad move. So Hamlet does get in the first strike and Claudius offers him the drink and he's like, now I'll do one more round. And Claudius is like, rats. And then Laertes gets a hit in and he scratches Hamlet. But then they do a little switcheroo again. There's lots of switcheroos in this play. Yeah, and it's scuffling. They change rapiers. Yes. Hamlet gets a hold of Laertes' sword and hits him with it. And Laertes is like, oh, crap. My whole plan has been turned against me. And then Gertrude goes to drink the wine. And Claudius is like, Gertrude, do not drink the wine. And Gertrude, queen of my heart, says, forgive me, sir. I will. And she does drink the wine and promptly dies. Then Laertes like Claudius was gonna kill you and I accidentally caused my own death so I'm gonna die now too and then Laertes dies and then Hamlet's like oh no I got poison too and before he dies he forces Claudius to drink from the cup so Claudius dies then Hamlet says Horatio tell my story and then Hamlet dies so all four of them have now died all in a row from poison there's no ruler because Hamlet was the heir to the throne if Claudius were to die so there's no ruler so 
So there's just this void. And then what conveniently happens is that Wharton Brass from a neighboring nation walks in and he's like, what's going on here? And Horatio's like, oh, funny story. <laughs> now that you mention it. And Wharton Brass takes over Denmark. So the king, the OG king, Hamlet's dad, had already like fought Fortin Brass yeah. and won against him. So in doing all of this, Hamlet has undone what his dad had done for the kingdom. Yeah, basically if he had listened to his dad and just killed Claudius on the first night, he would have become king, they would have kept their kingdom, Polonius and Ophelia would have been fine, Laertes would have been fine, his mom would have been fine, everyone would have been fine except Claudius and maybe Hamlet, yeah. who might have been tried for treason if he couldn't convince people that Claudius killed his dad. Yeah. Also, we wouldn't have had to sit through a four-hour-long play. Oh, sorry, Amy. So this play is Shakespeare's longest play, and it also doesn't focus on any action. Like, there's a lot of soliloquies and monologues and God knows asides and bad... <laughs> bad times. And I'm pretty sure Shakespeare was just like shit posting at this point. <laughs> and he was like, well, I might as well write something that you all have to sit through, stand through actually. You know, he got like two bad credits reviews and he was like, I'll show you a play you have to sit through for four hours. Yeah, which is really annoying because it's not all that great. And that's the thing, like plays do very well when they're led by action, but because this one is led by inaction, yeah. Like, the pacing is weird. Yeah, again, nothing happens. Nothing happens. So there's various adaptations, and one of them is the Kenneth Branagh adaptation, which I don't recommend, because the fight scene at the end, which takes part in, like, one page on the actual play, yeah. it's literally, like, queen dies, Laertes falls, uh, king dies, Laertes dies, Hamlet dies, you know? Yeah. Back to back to back, there's, like... Bam, bam, bam. It's maximum 50 lines. Is 45 minutes long. Are you kidding me? That's like the last two pages of the play. I'm aware. You're like, oh man, we're almost at the end of the play. I'm reading along with it. We must be near the end of the movie. 45 minutes left. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like there's, so it might actually be closer to like 30 minutes long, but like plus 15 minutes at the end for everything else to happen with Fortinbras. But like I was doing this and I was like, you know, reading along because... Again, there's a lot of, like, because there's so many, like, soliloquies and asides, like, you need to have some visual to go along with it, or you're just, like, reading, and you're like, who's talking to whom? You know, like, what the yeah. frick frag is happening? <laughs> so, like, it was really useful to have, like, the visual, and then I get to this part, and I'm like, why is this going on so long? Like, there was a line every two, like, hours. Like, I just, I just skipped through it. I was like, fuck this. Yeah. So, highly do not recommend trash. The David Tennant one I think is better. Okay, interesting. I found a Stratford production where Ophelia was just like, I'm going to show my entire range in this one role and I'm going to only act extreme emotions. And I was like, I just don't believe you. <laughs> but okay. Um, I also watched the movie Ophelia, as I mentioned, on Netflix, which was not three hours. In fact, it was only, I think, less than two hours. And in addition to that, there is a movie that happens before the action of Hamlet. I'm not going to spoil anything. And there's a little bit of movie that happens after the action of Hamlet. Mm. The entire action of Hamlet within this movie is like 20 to 30 minutes, maybe. Honestly, that's all you need. <laughs> and they don't cut that much out, honestly. <laughs> like, it's pretty spot on. <laughs> that's fun. Because you don't get Hamlet's stupid, like to be or not to be. Whenever he says that, I know it's not good. He just 
annoys me so much as a character. Every time he starts, I'm like, shut up. So I think that to be a not to be thing, one of the reasons we probably hate it so much is because it's so overdone, right? It is really overdone. But it's also because we know him as a whiny little bitch. (laughs) So here, we don't see him as like having an existential crisis so much as like being a philosophy major. Yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. No offense to the philosophy majors. Like we had some friends who were philosophy majors and we liked them a lot and they were good people and we still respect them and we respect their degrees. However, no, he's not like a good philosophy no. major. He's like one of those bro philosophy majors. Yeah. And the same can be said for like English majors. You do have those like subsets of English majors who like are overly pontifical about things. Like us. Like us, but we're not. <laughs> I Well, I don't think we're annoying about it. I hope not for the people who are listening to us every two weeks on purpose. And our listenings go down. Um... <laughs> Like, if it wasn't so overdone and if we believed Hamlet to actually have emotions, I think that could be, like, a really good speech. And on its own, I think, fine, whatever, it's good. But I'm I'm kind of over it in the same way that I'm kind of over, you know, the whole Twelfth Night. Like, when some are born, great, some are, you know. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that's a dumb line. The thing, I think the thing about this play is I do, I can't take it seriously. Mm, yeah. There's people who are joking, but whenever someone's trying to be earnest, I'm like, I can't take you seriously. I take the joking scenes more seriously because at least I know what they're doing is on purpose. Yeah, that's fair. That checks. However, yes. within this three hour play, if you're not counting the 45 minute <laughs> Kenneth Branagh version... <laughs> There are some very quotable lines. I would say it's Shakespeare's most quotable play. Yep. Here are some super quoted lines I found when I was watching it. Are you ready? Stop me if you have comments about any of them. I'll try them. So we've got to be or not to be, of course. We've got neither a borrower nor a lender be. Yeah, which, you know, kind of good in a recession. (laughs) Not bad advice. Um, We've got to thine own self be true. Yep. Which again, you know, your friends go out on a date, you give them that advice, they're being themselves. Good. Yeah, be yourself. Live your truth. Yeah. We got something is rotten in the state of Denmark. (laughs) I don't think there's a lot of opportunity to say that, but I've heard it said multiple times in my life, so I don't know what the context could have been for that. I just want to go to Denmark now and find some rotten fruit, pontificate on that line, and the shopkeeper being like, can you move along or buy the fucking banana? You're like the fifth person doing this today. If you live in Denmark, please find a shop in an open air market where you're not in a enclosed space and record yourself with permission of the shopkeeper making this joke for me. Thanks. Danish grocers actually never allow rotten fruit in their stores because they know people will do this. (laughs) Yeah, don't even go to the store. Just let an orange, like, you know, gross out on your counter and then send it to me. We've got the term wondrous strange. Mm. Love that. Yeah, that's quaint. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, that are are dreamt of in your philosophy. Again, a good dig against philosophy major. It's funny. It's funny. You can't say it's not funny. It's funny. It's Hamlet, like, explaining the presence of the ghost, and Horatio's like, this doesn't make sense. It's like, well, you know, some things don't, you know? Yeah. We've got brevity is the soul of wit. That's true. Which is hilarious. That's literally Shakespeare admitting everyone in this play is the least witty person. See, this is why I feel like it's a shitpost of a play. It is. It definitely is. It's in the middle of a long speech on purpose by Polonius in the longest play. <laughs> oh, we got get thee to a nunnery, which again is just, um, y'all need Jesus. Well, it's more like, please don't procreate because all men are stupid and babies are terrible. That's not as catchy. No, I know. And this was, this was Hamlet saying this. 
Hamlet said people should only marry fools, not me. That's what he said. So he didn't really say, don't marry stupid men. He said, yes, marry stupid men. Yeah. Only marry stupid men. Because men will only hurt you. Talking about himself right there, TBH. Bad advice. Yeah. Everyone's giving bad advice in Except this. for Polonius. at the very beginning. Yeah. And the, and the king. The king's ghost gives pretty good advice. He's like, kill Claudius. And then nobody does. <laughs> until like the last page. Um, and then we've got the lady doth protest too much, methinks. Yep. A banger. Yep. If we just had the greatest hits of this play, it would be like three minutes long. Yep. That would be enough. <laughs> it would be enough. So... I guess, on a scale of how many king's ghosts would you rate this play? Ooh, that's a good scale. I would rate this a king's legs, like a king ghost legs. Okay, both? One? Both legs. Okay. You know, like in Onward, when they bring back the ghost? Yeah. But it's just legs? Yeah, that was a good movie. Because the legs are, they're, they're around. The king's ghost is there. It, it's a play. It's there. It's definitely there. But the legs can't talk. They can't do anything. They can't say anything useful. And the play doesn't really say anything useful. Except for like, maybe if you cut it down, 20 minutes of it. I agree. So one pair of legs. One pair of king ghost legs. Clothed. Clothed. <laughs> legs with pants. Yeah, I agree. I think... You know, the ghostly leg with pants also give you the opportunity to stand up and walk out of this play. That's the only thing you need. You're not going to need your hands to clap. No. Just going to need your legs to walk on out of there. Make sure you're wearing boots that are made for walking. Uh. Cool. Killing it. Crushing it. Cool. So... Thank you so much for listening to this. Nonsense. We really appreciate all of you out there joining us to pontificate about all the things we once read, sometimes liked. You can find us on Twitter at UnsightedPod or through email, UnsightedPodcast at Outlet.com. We have merch on Redbubble. There is a link on our Twitter, or you can look up Unsighted Podcast on Redbubble to find shirts with our fun little sayings on it. Send us your peer review. Send us pictures of your pets. Send me pictures of rotten fruit if you live in Denmark. (laughs) And uh, as always, we're excited. Unavailable. Email. Wow. Did I say it wrong? No, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's better than my at at. At 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 outlook.com. <laughs> uh, don't send anything to that address. No.